stupid. I'm hot for teacher. We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to Minute 47 of The Cast Next Door, where we enjoy your mother's biscuits. Uh, I am your host, slash editor, slash producer, Darren. This is the third week that I am hosting, and this is my penultimate episode as host. And with me today, I have two previous wonderful guests. I have, and I'm going to go in order that they recorded, uh, guest on Minute 5 to 8, Jonathan Frederick. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. And guest on minute 29 to 32, Joel Torres. Hello, Joel. Hey. Hey. Now, guys, we have got the morning after. The morning after, nothing, really, (laughs) because Garrett slept on the couch. Uh, But there's at least one person in this film who does not think that that is the case and is extremely angry about that fact. Uh, Something that he makes known as he... Pulls his truck up very loudly. But before we get to that, first we have Garrett and Claire saying goodbye. Uh, They kiss on the porch. um, And then Claire gets Kevin ready for school. Um, And as Claire goes to her car and we see um, Garrett driving off in his midlife crisis gigantic metal penis. um, (laughs) We see a different gigantic metal penis pull up. uh, And in this time it is the other penis that has been in Claire's life. It is Noah, and he doesn't waste his time. <laughs> he leaves his engine running, he opens the door, and he comes straight up the drive saying, what a fucking whore you are. And I'm, I, I think he's slightly misinterpreting the kiss that was just on the porch. Um, <laughs> obviously, in previous minutes, he was kind of staring out as he saw Garrett's car in the driveway, so he knows Garrett's been there all night. Obviously, he doesn't realise that Garrett was refused the bedroom and had to sleep on the couch, um, which, weirdly enough, is what um, that's what Noah did to Claire after they had sex. She <laughs> slept on the couch. So he should be familiar with people sleeping on couches. Uh, and then they get into a bit of an argument about the deal that they had, uh, which, uh, if you're familiar with those minutes, when Noah made the deal, he was smiling, and then as Claire left, he dropped his smile. So I don't think that was a completely legit deal, so... Uh, you know, I don't think he's got that much of a point. Anyway, there's some some exchanges about bullshit. <laughs> Noah is calling Claire a fucking liar. Uh, and he sees clearly now. And Claire obviously is trying to stop this because it is a bit of a show to be going on in front of the neighbours this early in the morning. Uh, and we get Kevin uh, coming in halfway through and c- quite obviously taking his only friend's side... <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he says he says to his mother, "You're taking, you're not taking away the only one good friend I have." And I'm like, Kevin, I really would not use that as some kind of. That's not a that's not a statement you want to be making to your mother, saying I only have one friend, and it's this psychopath who just walked up the drive. Uh, and Noah pulls his power move, which is he, you know, like he goes back to the car, and now obviously in the next minute, Kevin joins him, but. For the moment, we get an exchange between Kevin and Claire where uh, he says bullshit as well. Everyone is calling bullshit on this whole situation. 
Uh, and Kevin wonders off saying he said you'd do this and if you did it was dad talking and not you and he's right he's been right all along and we finish with Claire saying this is crazy okay and she's kind of like mid-sentence uh, in the next minute you know not to spoil too much but Kevin will join Noah in, the, in his, his car um, uh, but for the moment let's uh, discuss what goes on in this fiery minute yeah I was really excited to get this minute because this whole scene reminds me of um, uh, uh, a scene from Matchpoint, the Woody Allen movie, where uh, Scarlett Johansson confronts uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers about the affair they've been having in a public space. So I think it's I think that's an interesting comparison. I feel I feel like there are a lot of other. There are a lot of other film connections to like film noir and stuff, and I think this this minute really provides those connections. Like instead of the femme fatale, you have the pardon my French, the homme fatale, the the deadly man. So the dipshit fatale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when the flowers were sent to Claire, she has this exchange with Vicky where she keeps saying stuff like. Uh, first off, she hints it could the Claire, the flowers might not be from Garrett. Then she says, you know, we've all done things that we regret. So it's weird because it, it feels like Claire wants to tell Vicky what has been going on, uh, but she doesn't. And then obviously here, um, like Noah could re- could have re- could have pulled up before Garrett left uh, and revealed what had been going on between the two of them. He could have explicitly told Kevin what he's like what he's been doing. Like, so there's almost a threat of this, you know, um, I don't want to call it an affair because it's not that. It's a one night stand. There's a threat of that being revealed to other people. Um, But I think simply because where we are in the film, you know, we're not past the one hour mark yet. (laughs) uh, It's kind of being held back a little bit. And I think it's interesting that, you know, it's such a like such a kind of like. This is, I mean, this is the point in the minute in the film where everyone is swearing at each other, left, right, and centre <laughs> here. And up until this point, the language has been fairly restrained. You know, we've had talk of someone smelling like cookies, and um, you know, Vicky said he can take the cookies and shove them up his ass. And like, there's been kind of like euphemisms, but just here, it's just a lot of swearing at each other. Yeah, it's kind of shocking how much swearing goes on. Just all of a sudden, slut shaming and. F this, and and then the the kid. It's funny when the kid actually says, you know, uh, what does he say to to Claire? He says, uh, "Bullshit, mom. He's yeah, my bullshit. friend." Hey, yeah. watch your language. In the we- and that's such a weird delivery. Like I don't know. You can listen to any line multiple times, and it can sound weird. But I don't know. There's just something odd about her delivery. In addition to many other things about this movie, I think it's weird actually that like. I don't know if Kevin hears the bullshit earlier, but then he like reflects it back further down. Like he's still trying to copy Noah and be like Noah, like using the same language, like to yeah. his mother. Yeah. Especially as the um, I mean, obviously this is like a series of two shots, but the reveal of Kevin is the cat. Like Kevin speaks, and we hear him off screen, and then the camera whips around to, to kind of reveal him, which is a weird way to show Kevin. Um, I don't think he's a character who ever deserves a whip pan to be revealed. <laughs> yeah, he was hiding behind the car the whole time, like like right below where the trunk is, and then he popped up real quick. <laughs> he was doing it for comedy value, is what you're saying. He he was like, this is this is gonna be a funny situation because Noah and my mom are best pals. This they'll really love this joke. Surprise! Uh, Let's have a group photo. <laughs> 
and then and then it turns a little sour without i mean throughout the, the kind of the minutes that i've talked to people on and the bonus episodes that i've talked to people on um there's kind of a discussion about how much uh like two things kind of come up which is noah's moral compass um you know he hates cheaters um it's hinted that he possibly killed his father and his mother committed suicide over the affair you know that they had um, and he hates Garrett because he cheated, and he's trying to poison Kevin against Garrett uh, to the point of taking him out to shoot, you know, uh, guns with him. So it's it's kind of weird that he is the he's he, essentially in this equation he is he's he's the um, he's the other man, and so it's weird that he gets so indignant at the fact that a husband and wife might be reconciling their marriage. Um, so, I mean, what do you guys think? It's it's such a weird thing for him to be angry about, really. I mean, yeah, it definitely, you know, uh, it makes him out to be a hypocrite, you know. I mean, that's, it's kind of like a typical bro-male attitude where it's like, I'm not doing it, the wrong thing, you know. I, I was just, you hooked up with me and that should mean something, even though it probably didn't really mean anything. I mean, he's kind of obsessive and crazy, obviously, but... It just strikes me as the kind of attitude that somebody who didn't think that anything that they did was wrong would have. Like, <gasps> how dare you violate this trust that I created between us by forcing myself on you, essentially. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, it, it seemed familiar to me in a, yeah. in a gross way. And here's the here's the thing as well. The other thing that comes up about Noah is how much of a kind of telepathic genius is he? Because he times his pulling up literally as Garrett leaves the frame. Like that is some expert timing. In oh terms my god! To be outraged. Um, but also like he sent the flowers um, a few minutes ago, like as, as a way to kind of reconcile with Claire and try and build things back up with her. So, I mean, I'm assuming so he can get her naked again, but it, it seems like he wants to try and stay friends with her. But then he, it, like, Garrett going out with Claire on, like, a, a little date and then coming home and sleeping on the couch is obviously something he couldn't plan for. So it seems like he makes this careful plan of how to get back with Claire and how to... But it's scuppered by the fact that Claire then decides that she would rather be with her husband than this crazy psychopathic teenager student... Um, so, I mean, it's like, how much, how much planning is Noah capable of? Because sometimes he seems to have planned everything out, and then other times he just seems like a crazy psychopath. He's a calculating weirdo who doesn't actually do any thinking ahead. I mean, if he was dedicated to figuring out a way to, or uh, staying on top of the whole Claire situation, wouldn't he have known that her husband was sleeping on the couch because he'd be peeking in the windows? I mean, you see him peeking all the time. He's a peeker. Why ain't he peeking? <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's a peeker at the level where he can see Claire naked rather than at the ground floor level where all he's going to see is, I don't know, uh, Kevin eating a sandwich. I'm not sure what goes on the ground floor in this house. It seems like any peeking he does is done exclusively towards Claire's bedroom window uh, rather than the rest of the house. You know, there's no real evidence that he spends much time kind of stalking around the Peterson household. Um, you know, he drives up angry rather than just driving angry in 3D. And, <laughs> you know, he he can't hold his anger back 
Like he want he just wants to try and make it clear to Claire that he knows something, but he doesn't actually know the full story. And it's weird actually that Claire never says Garrett slept on the couch as a way to kind of calm Noah down. Yeah, she doesn't owe uh, this asshole any explanations. I mean, uh, I can uh, yeah, well, it, it would. I mean, there's even if she said that, he you know immediately be back with the whole bullshit thing because he doesn't know. He doesn't trust her. And uh, I mean, she's a cheater, ain't she? She's a cheater now, too. So how can he trust her? She is a cheater. Yeah, they are both cheaters now at this point. So um, I think Garrett is obviously slightly a little worse because it it sounds from the way that his affair is discussed that it was something that continued over a period of time uh, that required, uh, at the very least, an exchange of emails with erotic descriptions of um, baked goods. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that kind of Claire owes him an explanation, but rather, you know, she's saying, why are you doing this? You know, what is wrong with you? Like she, she's trying to figure out why Noah is super angry in public. And I think she's, you know, if she wants to shut it down quickly, she could have just said Garrett steps on the couch. Um, not as a way to kind of give Noah like you know, kind of justification for this kind of anger, but as a way to just kind of calm the incident down before her son comes out and sees, you know, them arguing. Um, and then obviously, you know, if if she then later on wants to make it clear to Noah that there's nothing going on between them and that she doesn't care for him anymore, then, she, you know, that could have been something that would be best tackled later on in the day rather than, you know, 8 a.m. trying to get her kid to school. You know, she's trying to be, I I, I don't know, at, the, at this point, have we seen him being like any sort of crazy other than uh, the, well, I, I can't even remember what happens before this scene. Does he show any <laughs> of his crazy side before this? Uh, now, before this, like the kind of, the two incidents that happened before this are the, uh, well, first we have, uh, Kevin's asthma attack and then Noah saves his life um, and then we have Claire getting the flowers uh, and um, Noah uh, you know uh, kind of making this deal with her where they'll kind of start again oh yeah and he did randomly show up in her class too though that, that was a little weird he's actually tried to kind of justify his craziness a little bit yeah he's not setting um, off any red flags or anything like that come on yeah yeah, and she and she kind of accepted that as well at face value. You know, when she when he was like, you know, I've, I, you know, I hacked your email to get into your class because you said you wanted me in it, like perfectly normal. She didn't. Yeah, she didn't say she didn't say that was a terrible thing. She was just kind of annoyed that he did it by hacking her email. Like she didn't say she didn't want him in the class. So you know, I I think in a way she's kind of moved on from the sexual intercourse and he obviously hasn't right uh, this is the first time where we see him angry rather than just obsessive thrusting his metal metal dingus towards her yeah uh, <laughs> i don't know trying trying to reason with him when he's in that kind of mood is is like uh, it's just a mistake you know you're not gonna be able to at this situation this should be like a let's call the cop situation, but yeah, you know, that's a movie. Yeah. I feel like this would be enough to get like a grounds for a restraining order, but you know, I, I feel that's going to be a bit difficult given how close the two houses are together. Well, um, yeah, that's true. I imagine that situation in community where Chang and, um, professor Duncan have to say a certain amount of feet away. 
Um, <laughs> and I imagine I imagine Claire wandering around her house and Noah having to be constantly at the other side of his house to stay the right distance away. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think at this point, yeah, I mean, a lot of like if 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 you know, no one has already said the police should be called, then the next minute is definitely grounds for calling the police. Um, but yeah, like, sh- like just driving, I'm mean, driving up onto the driveway and kind of yelling and screaming at Claire in public. It should be more than enough motivation for her to threaten the police. Um, but of course she's still, you know, she hasn't revealed that, to, you know, uh, the one night stand to any other characters. So he kind of has that over her and it's obviously something that she doesn't want to get out because now he's a student in her class, uh, which he wasn't at the time that the incident occurred. Um, but now he is a student then obviously that complicates things and um you know it would probably jeopardize her career more than anything else so this you know he at this point he has the upper hand in terms of keeping this whole you know event a secret yeah he's a real moriarty <laughs> which is why the idea that he's kind of you know someone who kind of comes up with these plans is something that i always think about because you know obviously he he put himself into the class after they'd had sex, therefore meaning that there's no way she could tell anyone else without it jeopardizing her job. So, uh, you know, that at the very least seems like a tiny bit of forward planning. <sighs> it's, it's, the whole situation is troubling to me in a way that it wasn't when I watched the whole movie. I don't know why. Just seeing that one scene is like, oh man, this is, this is bad for her. Somebody, somebody needs to do something. Yeah, I, I guess, obviously, you know, one of the tropes of these types of films is, first of all, you know, obviously they have to keep the, the affair hidden for as long as possible. You know, that's something that goes all the way back to, like, Fatal Attraction and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, uh, the, the you know, the mistress, the, the, the you know, the, the boy on the side has to kept, be kept hidden because revealing it jeopardizes the life that the, 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 the person has. And that is certainly true here with Claire. You know, this would be the thing that would end her teaching career uh, were it to come out. As as part of this type of film, no one will call the police at a sensible time. That is like that is the, that is always the thing about these types of films. And it's I guess it's something you just have to accept. Like, uh, you know, actions that in real life would call you to immediately call the police uh, within this film are, are going to be the kind of thing that will, you know, they, they let the characters get away with for the sake of drama. Otherwise, you know, the film would have ended, a, 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 you know, in the next couple of minutes. Um, you know, it would have been a 40-minute film rather than a 90-minute film. Um, so, I mean, is there anything else that you feel is in this minute to discuss? I mean, I know people have been saying this is a nicely shot film. I mean, this scene looks quite nice and, the, you know, the camera moves and the cuts between the, the, the singles and stuff like that. It's well done. Uh, you know, this is, this is a, a, at the very least, one will say a competently made film. Yeah, it's bad, but it's... Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's quite bad enough to enjoy, you know. You can't enjoy it the way that a, a talking cat was with the 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 shots in between and the i mean the transition shots and the the static camera and yeah and stuff like that this this actually feels like a <laughs> cinematographer look, was involved it looks like it had a budget <laughs> yeah yeah its budget was only four million and this is something that some people who are who have recorded previous episodes with me weren't aware of but this was only a four million budget you know it was not a flop in any way it was a hit this film made 10 times its budget back 
Um, so, uh, you know, it, it is a gen- uh, this is a genuine film that made money. Oh, so we're going to get uh, the boy next door too. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time in the in the early two thousands when DVD was at its height. By now, there would have been a boy next door two, and then there would have been a boy next door three, and a boy next door four, and they would have all followed the exact same formula of a teacher and a student, and you know, <laughs> use the concept over and over again. I mean, it's not an original concept in the first place. Might as well get your extra a little extra cash out of this. Isn't this um, Poison Ivy essentially the girl next door anyways? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. And Poison Ivy has Poison Ivy 2, Poison Ivy the New Seduction, Poison Ivy the Secret Society. And the funny thing is obviously Blumhouse, which are the kind of main producers on this film, they're known for cranking out sequels. You know, there's already Insidious 2 and 3 and there's going to, you know, The Conjuring 2 and... Like, they're not known for having a concept and sitting on it and thinking, yeah, one film is more than enough. They're known for kind of getting ready for sequels before the first ones come out so i'm surprised that there hasn't been at least an announcement of some other kind of 90s rom-com actress um announced as the lead for the boy next door too because mm. um, you know i think that that would be the formula wouldn't it you would pick an actress who who was big in rom-coms in the 90s and who had faded um and then you'd find a, a young buff actor and then hey presto there you go that's the film um, they don't even need to be a teacher. You could go through all the different professions. One could be a lawyer. You could have a doctor. You could have a, you could have a, uh, yeah, I was literally about to say that. I was literally about to say firefighter. Uh, you know, a firefighter who's obvious. like a woman proving her way in the in the firefighter world, and she ends up you know rescuing oh, a young boy, and the, you know they engage in an affair. You know, that. awesome. Hey, we've written this spec script already. <laughs> well, we gotta yeah. sell this, guys. We gotta sell this. Yeah, call us Rob Cohen. Um, <laughs> so there we go I think we thoroughly explored this uh, crazy angry minute okay so uh, Joel do you have anything you wish to plug I am doing my own podcast called please don't send me into outer space um, it was is that recently... a minute by minute dissection of uh, Inside Lewin Davis yes although the title <laughs> uh, the, the line in the song is different than the title of my uh podcast but close enough i mean obviously i was trying to get you to think of that it is a minute by minute no no sorry it's a bad (laughs) it's a random movie sci-fi and uh adventure uh fantasy movie podcast we just watch a random sci-fi movie and then we kind of discuss it but usually we go off topic just me and a couple of friends that's on itunes and on stitcher uh, and uh, are you on Twitter as well with that, or? Yeah, uh, there. <laughs> at at uh, Outer Space Pod is the Twitter account for that. Great. And stuff. my my own is at JDT Movies, which uh, I I post way more often than the other one. And Jonathan, do you have anything that we should plug? Uh, nothing too exciting. I haven't ventured into the podcast world outside of uh, the cast next door, but um, I am on Letterboxd, and while I'm transitioning between jobs here, I have a blog, a conference of the strange uh, and you can just find my random musings on movies, music, and other things I like. So, not very exciting, but pop in if you like. Great stuff. Thank you very much for joining me, and thanks very much for everyone for listening. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Talking Cast Presents The Cast Next Door. I was your host, editor, producer, Darren, with my guests, 
Joel Torres and Jonathan Frick. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at First Ed Iliad, or download new episodes from the castnextdoor.wordpress.com, or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Artwork by Josh Hollis. The Boy Next Door is owned by Blumhouse, Smart Entertainment, New Yorkan, and Universal Studios. No infringement is intended. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This is a first edition?